Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. In studying the Bible, it's critical to gain a window into the mind and the spirit of the writer. The Apostle Paul, no doubt, considered his words very carefully as he addressed his highly educated and philosophically trained audience in the ancient city of Corinth as he prepared his epistles to them. The gospel contains much that could stimulate and intrigue these learned men, but instead of appealing to their great intellect through philosophy, he purposely took just the opposite approach. He spoke clear, simple words of the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, even the crucified Christ as the power of God. He then goes on to exhort us, as well as the Corinthian believers, not to trust or utilize man's wisdom, philosophy, or eloquent words to present this crucified Christ to others. Why was Paul so insistent on taking this way? And what is the message to us in our own presentation of Christ to others? Well, that's what we'll consider on our life study today. Bob Danker has joined us. Bob, forgive me for the lengthy introduction. I hope it wasn't too much, but uh, you're welcome to add to it. Well, I feel like it was a very enlightening introduction, actually, Chris, because uh, this matter of ministering Christ to others, particularly in the preaching of the gospel, in order to minister Christ to others in a pure way, we have to be very careful not to trust in appealing to their philosophical mind, yeah. or their, even their way of speaking. To convey Christ, we need the words that are taught by the Spirit, because our goal is not to impress people with our knowledge, but it's to minister Christ and his cross to those who hear us in our speaking. Bob, this reminds me of a conversation I've had on a few occasions with some friends, dear brothers in the Lord, about tailoring our presentation of the gospel to match the culture and the tastes of the audience in a given age like the current one we're in. And that, of course, would uh, open up the door to all of the things that are done now to present the gospel and employing rock music, etc., etc. But here we really see Paul taking an opposite approach in how he addressed at least the, uh, the people and the audience and the saints, the believers in Corinth, don't we? That's right, Chris. Paul did say that he would like to be all things to all men so that by any means he may gain some. Right. But uh, here he was very fearful that if he would try to fit in with their philosophical way of talking and appeal to their intellect, he was afraid that Christ and the cross would be gone, missing, (laughs) nowhere. Right. He would lose the very content of his gospel if he was... Uh, not careful. Well, he was certainly trained in all of these things himself. Paul was exceedingly gifted. We know that. So as you said, he was afraid. Perhaps he would have gained them in terms of their appreciation of him, but he would not have achieved his goal, which was to bring them to Christ and to Christ crucified. You're exactly right, Chris. Let's look at these verses. We're going to take one verse for each of our three sections today, Bob. These are the first three verses in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 1, And I, when I came to you, brothers, came not according to excellence of speech or of wisdom, 
announcing to you the mystery of God. I would point out, as it says in the footnote in our recovery version, this word mystery is often translated as testimony, and in this instance, both work just fine. So if you hear Witness Lee refer to testimony or mystery, we're talking about the same thing, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, announcing to you the mystery or the testimony of God. Let's join Witness Lee. In chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, When I came to you the first time, I came not with excellence of speech or wisdom. And this indicates that Paul came to the Greeks preaching the gospel not in a way of their wisdom. Rather, he stayed away from that. He avoided that. This is altogether different from today's practice. But Paul, he didn't preach this way. Paul was very much on the alert that if he would uh, use their speech and take their way, Christ and his cross would be missing. When we talk to people, of course, we better do something that can help them, that uh, they could uh, easily take him in. But our business is not to impress people that we have the knowledge. We have the best expression of their speech. Don't do this. Our burden is to impress people with Christ. We don't sell the excellency of uh, our knowledge of certain language. We minister Christ. Then the second point, when I came, I came not with excellence of speech or wisdom, announcing to you the testimony of God. What is the testimony of God that Paul refers to here. You think about it. In the New Testament, the full testimony of God is Christ plus the church. Why? Because Christ is the head and the church is the body. And the head, we know, is the mystery of God. And the body is the mystery of Christ. So Paul's church, by the term, the testimony of God, means he was testifying to them, not only Christ, but Christ's body, the church, the head, and the body. These two are a complete testimony of God. Uh, Bob, I would uh, imagine that you were as impressed as I was with this one passage, particularly this one point he made, that our goal when we speak, when we present, when we minister Christ to others has to be to impress them with Christ, not with our eloquence, not with our knowledge, not with our gift or what we can do. This was really Paul's focus as he unveiled to them 
the mystery, the testimony of God, Christ, and the church, wasn't it? That's right. Uh, Chris, you pointed out that no doubt Paul was a very learned man, very eloquent, and very capable. And he could have attempted to minister Christ in the language and the way of speaking of those philosophical Greeks in Corinth. Mm -hmm. But if he had taken that way, what they would have been impressed with would not have been Christ, but Paul's knowledge, Paul's excellent way of of using words, Uh and so forth. So Paul stayed away from that approach because he didn't want his gospel to be diluted. He wanted to impart Christ into people, and he wanted to speak to them a pure word concerning Christ and concerning his body, the church, which are the two together are God's mystery, the great mystery, Christ and the church, and they're also God's testimony. Paul wanted to impress the Corinthian believers with these things, which are the very heart of the gospel, the very heart of the economy of God. So Paul did not want to get into the realm of philosophy or speaking in a kind of an eloquent way. He wanted to uh, stay in the realm where he could simply impart to them Christ and his body, the church. So we have his way here to avoid appealing to their natural intellect, their natural philosophical mind, but also the content. When he uses this phrase at the end of verse 1, announcing to you the mystery of God, that's implying by Paul's own definition of the mystery later on in his writings that what he was announcing was Christ and the church. To give them this full picture, this full gospel, we have a pattern here before us, don't we, Bob? An excellent pattern. But now let's go forward in verse 2. He adds another component. For I did not determine to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and this one crucified. And we talked about this the other day. He could have very easily there said, and this one resurrected. But he specifically brings them to the crucified Christ before bringing them to the resurrected Christ. Here's Witness Lee again. Then verse 2 says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ. Not only so, listen, he added something. And this one crucified. Paul's preaching was of two points. Number one, no excellence of speech. And number two, of a crucified one. Not an exalted one, not a glorified one, but one despised, rejected, right? And defeated, and even crucified. What Paul means here, he means this. You Greek believers, you have believed in Christ, but you have been wrong. Why? Because you lived a life that is not a crucified life. You live life all the time exalting yourself. You see? You live life all the way glorifying yourself. In other words, don't say you know this. Don't say you know that. You have to let people know that you are a person knowing nothing. 
How about this? This is Paul's point. You know, what is trouble in local church? The trouble is that everybody knows too much. Let me tell you a story concerning Brother Watchman Nee. The first co-worker of Brother Nee in Shanghai, he was invited to another place to uh, pray to minister. He never had such an experience. So he went to Brother Nee. Brother Nee, would you please help me? But Nee didn't say anything. Just be silent for a while. Then he said, you don't need to learn any secret. You just learn one thing. Then the brother said, what one thing? But he said, learn to say, I don't know. Dear saints, we must have such a spirit with such an attitude and plus such a practice. If you determine not to know anything except Christ, you will never have any gossip. No gossip, no reasoning, no memory. The problem at Corinth was they had too much knowledge, and they treasured it, and they even worshipped it. Knowledge became their idol. No wonder Paul just tried the best to belittle their knowledge, to put down the knowledge. Right? I only know Christ. And this one crucified. Uh, Bob, I feel like uh, we're getting the bark stripped off <laughs> these tender branches, uh, such as you and I, and uh, all of those uh, listening that have a burden, a desire to share and minister Christ to others. Now, uh, our knowledge, our way, our excellent speech, our good examples, all of our secrets really have no value in this light, do they? That's right. Chris, you know, the, the Corinthians were very philosophical people. They treasured knowledge. Brother Lee said here they idolized, idolized it. it. Yeah. That means they tried to get more knowledge all the time. Anything that was new, when Paul went to the Athens, you know, the Greeks there were always interested in something new, to learn, to know something new. Although the the Greek believers in Corinth were full of knowledge, they were fleshly. They were full of self, full of self-exalting, self-glorying. There were problems upon problems, numerous problems in their local church. How is Paul going to face this situation? If he were to go to Corinth, what would he do? Would he try to talk to this one and find out what the problem is over here and over Mm -hmm. there? And the more he knew, the more he got to know the less he would be able to help them. Right. What they really needed was Christ and this one crucified. Paul knew that the philosophical Corinthian believers needed Christ and him crucified. That was God's power, God's wisdom, and God's solution for all their problems on the negative side and God's way to cause them to grow in Christ on the positive side. So when he went there, he realized that if he got into their situation and listened to all the gossip and tried to get a clear picture of what was going on in Corinth, he would have been ensnared in a big trap. And then his ability to present Christ and his cross would have been completely stolen away. Mm. 
Verse 3, Bob, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my proclamation were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, in order that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Verse 3, And I was with you in fear and in much trembling. What was the reason that Paul was so fearful and trembling? The reason was that he was among the philosophical people. It is so easy for you to be tempted and to be defeated by their philosophy. You will fall into their snare. We all know when we talk to people, we like to try our best. You must realize when you try to deal with the one whom you're talking, you are defeated. You just forget about whether he's a Greek or he's a barbarian. You just forget about whether he's a German, whether he's French, whether he's Japanese, whether he's Chinese. Forget about it. You see the point? You just speak Christ. Paul was fearful and trembling that he would miss Christ in his talk with those philosophical people. That your faith may not be immense wisdom, but in God's power. Again, what is God's power? That is the crucified Christ. The basic thing is that we need to see a clear vision. And this vision governs us, controls us, and directs us. Bob, I want to come back to uh, something he mentions again here in this segment. It's a point we were in a few days ago because it also shows up in chapter 1, and now we see it in verse 3 of chapter 2, and that is the matter of this phrase, the power of God. Uh, of course, the power of God in concept would have been very intriguing to these uh, philosophical Corinthians. Uh, they would have been uh, delighted by this topic. But his definition of it, let me read uh, verse one or chapter 1, verse 18, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So he really somewhat wrenching with their natural thought here in his presentation of the power. Why, Bob, again, is the power of God in this context bringing us to the crucified Christ, the Christ of the cross? Well, as we saw in the broadcast previously, this power is God's power to solve all the problems in the universe by terminating all the factors that cause the problems. And this power is God's power to bring all the believers into resurrection so that they can experience and enjoy all the riches that are in Christ. And then they will be filled with those riches and they will grow in the divine life by being filled with these riches of Christ. And as a result, they will be built up. They will be joined to one another. They would be in oneness, and they would be built up to be the body of Christ. As long as we are stay in the realm of philosophy mm-hmm. or even in the realm of miraculous power, which the Jews appreciated 
They always ask the Lord for a sign. For a Show us yeah. a sign, they said, which means give us a miracle. Show us that you're the Messiah, you know. And the Lord said, well, I'm not going to give you any sign except the sign of Jonah, which is the sign of his crucifixion, <laughs> that he would be crucified and that he would rise up from the dead. This is the sign of Jonah, and this is the very sign You know, this is the power of God, and this is the wisdom of God, which Paul was referring to here. It's a foolishness to the Greeks, and it's offensive to the Jews who are looking for miraculous power. Instead of working miracles, what God did was he allowed his son to be crucified, Mm -hmm. which is an insult to those who appreciate miraculous power. But this is God's wisdom, and this is God's power to terminate all the negative things, that to solve all the problems, and then to dispense all the riches of Christ into the believers in resurrection so that they can be built up to be the body of Christ. You know, fairly, Bob, we have to uh, not only just admit, but embrace the fact that in the Bible itself and in the, the whole of God's economy, miracles are present, and even some of the highest thought in the universe is contained in this book. So on the one hand, there was something there outwardly that the Lord could have offered to the Jews in the way of miraculous things and that Paul could have offered to these uh, educated Gentiles in the way of philosophy. But in both instances, their burden was not that. We don't annul or disavow that they are real or exist, but the focus has to be Christ and this one crucified, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, This is the only way to carry out God's economy Paul's focus was not in knowledge and not in miracles, although knowledge, uh, you know, God desires all men to come to the full knowledge of the truth. That's true. But Paul's focus was in God's economy. The way to carry out God's economy is for us to know Christ and to experience his cross. This cross of Christ is the gateway into resurrection And in resurrection, God's economy can be accomplished. Well, uh, his phrase in in this last portion about their knowledge became an idol to them. And we have to say, even in, uh, I would say, maybe more more of a temptation in uh, the age in which we live, the religious uh, culture that we find ourselves in, miracles could become an idol too. Even believers, couldn't they? Absolutely. And so when these things replace Christ, then the only solution is to bring us all back to the crucified Christ, terminating and ushering or providing us the gateway, as you said, into resurrection. This is all, really all that we really need. We need Christ and we need his cross. Then we are ushered into God's economy and God's heart desire can be fulfilled. Wow. Wonderful fellowship again and uh, really day by day we're really seeing a, a rich Christ and a rich word in this book of 1 Corinthians as Paul deals with all of these problems that are presented, his solution is so rich. It gives us another level of appreciation for this book, doesn't it? Yes, it's marvelous, Chris. Well, our time is up today. Uh, we hope you've uh, been enlightened and brought to the crucified Christ, at least in some measure, by uh, the presentation. We invite you to contact us about getting the printed messages as well. Uh, there's a lot here to dig into. We hope you will take advantage of it. Toll free, you can contact us, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's the phone number. Again, 1-888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. 
or send an email to us, radio at lsm.org. And please join us again Monday. We'll return for another week in this uh, current life study of 1 Corinthians. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Testament is a marvelous and clear revelation of God's purpose and plan. In 1984, Witness Lee spoke a series of 51 messages based on God's New Testament economy, which is his plan to dispense himself into his chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people as their life and everything to produce the body of Christ, which is his corporate expression as golden lampstands in this age and ultimately as the New Jerusalem for eternity. These messages have been printed in the book God's New Testament Economy. God's New Testament Economy by Witness Lee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.